how sweet is that? As he said, I serve, uh, I'm in my 14th year as the university pastor at Calvin University in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And if you would like to know more about that, I brought stuff. There's stuff and cookies and stickers in the room over there. So if you like stuff and cookies and Snickers, uh, go check that out and talk with me about Calvin University or anything else. I'm happy to, to be here. I've spent the last couple of days in the area. I was at Timothy Christian this week and Chicago Christian and Ileana Christian and Trinity Christian College. And it's always a joy to uh, get to know folks from the, our supporting congregations since Calvin is the, the university of the denomination, you are such a good support, and it's, it's a joy uh, to get to know some of you better. Well, if you have a Bible or a Bible app, I invite you to turn to Acts 21. It will also be on the screen. And this series on the Lord's, um, the, the creed, not the Lord's Prayer, I got it, the creed, we're looking at uh, the Holy Spirit. So kind of pay attention here as to what happens in the gospel in Acts 21. So hear the word of the Lord. You're putting that on the screen? Yeah, that's kind of what we're talking about. Okay. Scripture. Acts 21. There we go. Okay. So this is Luke writing um, he and Paul are moving on toward Jerusalem and this is what happens he says after we had torn ourselves away from them the people in Ephesus we put out to sea and sailed straight to Kos the next day we went to Rhodes and from there to Patera we found a ship crossing over to Phoenicia went on board and set sail after sighting Cyprus and passing to the south of it we sailed on to Syria. We landed at Tyre, where our ship was to unload its cargo. Finding the disciples there, we stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. When it was time to leave, we left and continued on our way. All of them, including wives and children, accompanied us out of the city, and there on the beach we knelt to pray. After saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship, and they returned home. We continued our voyage from Tyre and landed at Ptolemaeus, where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his hands and feet with it, and said, The Holy Spirit says, In this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm not ready. I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said the Lord's will be done. After this, we started on our way up to Jerusalem, 
Some of the disciples from Caesarea accompanied us and brought us to the home of Nason, where we were to stay. He was a man from Cyprus and one of the early disciples. This is the word of the Lord. So there's a lot of geography happening. There's a lot of movement going on. But the basic idea in this text is that Paul is heading toward Jerusalem and all of his friends think that's a horrible idea. And these are good friends who love him, they pray, they're godly men and women, and they're getting warnings from the Holy Spirit that this is a bad idea. In fact, Agabus, who accurately predicted a famine back in Acts chapter 11, comes all the way from Jerusalem to Caesarea to give Paul an object lesson. This is what's going to happen to this person. You're going to be bound up. You're going to be handed over. But despite all of this, Paul is stubborn. He's resistant. He's like, no, I'm going to go. We think, Paul, what is the deal? Like, you're getting good warnings. You're getting good intelligence from people. Why are you being kind of a jerk right now? Is this the first century version of hold my beer? (laughs) You don't think I can do this? You don't think I'm brave enough? Watch me. Hold my beer. We don't get this. We don't get how Paul is warned that he is going to move into suffering and pain, why he doesn't say, I'm good, I'll stay over here. Because in our lives, we shape our lives to avoid suffering and pain. We like to use the app so we can get our latte exactly how we want it when we want it. We like to read all the reviews online so we get the absolute best pair of running shoes. We say the name Alexa more than the names of our family members. We like our lives to be comfortable and secure and efficient and convenient. So why is Paul insistent here on moving towards suffering? Well, to understand Paul in Acts 21, you have to know what's happened in the first 20 chapters of the book of Acts. So in Acts 5, the disciples are beaten. And Luke writes, they rejoiced that they were considered worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. In Acts 13, Paul and his friends are kicked out of Pisidian Antioch. They shake the dust off their feet. And Luke writes, they were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. If you read the first 20 chapters of the book of Acts, you see that these early Christians were not afraid of suffering for the name of Jesus. They didn't seek it out, but they didn't shy away from it. They knew that's what came with following Jesus. Suffering for the name of Jesus isn't something we have a lot of experience with. We understand the suffering of bodies breaking down, We understand the suffering of relationship breakup, of anxiety and depression. We understand the suffering of losing someone we love. But suffering for the name of Jesus isn't something a lot of us here in 21st century America have much experience with. But our global brothers and sisters do. 
In February, in the country of Iran, there were three men who converted from Islam to Christianity, which is illegal to do in Iran. They were arrested, they were put into prison, and as far as we know, they're still there. They had a friend, a woman, who also converted. She was brutally harassed on social media, and then she was assaulted, and no one knows where she is. In the African country of Eritrea, in March, police raided a house church, arrested all 29 people, put them in prison. They're still there. In April, in a province in China, officials stormed into a Sunday morning worship service at Zion Reformed Church and insisted that everybody there sign a statement saying they would never go to church again. They refused. They were all fined significantly. And their two pastors were arrested and put in jail, where they still are today. This is happening right now. This is 2022. Our global brothers and sisters know what it means to suffer for the name of Jesus. And although we in the United States don't have to worry about that type of suffering for the name of Jesus, we do have knowledge that following Jesus here comes with its own kinds of sacrifices. I have a student whom I'll call Nikki. Nikki became a Christian when she was a junior in high school because one of her friends invited her to youth group. And she came to youth group and she loved it and she started coming to church and she met Jesus and she was baptized And because of her newfound faith, she wanted to go to a Christian college. Her parents didn't like this. They thought this is a phase. She'll outgrow this. They kind of waited her out. But but her senior year, she's insistent, I'm going to a Christian school. They did not want this for her at all. In fact, they said to her, well, if you're so insistent on going to a Christian school and continuing to learn all those fairy tales, we're not going to pay for it. So suddenly, the money that she had planned on to pay her tuition was gone. So Nikki, as a senior in high school, took on more jobs. She took out loans. She met with the financial aid people because she was committed to continuing to grow in faith at a place like Calvin. And because Calvin was local for her, She was still able to be involved in her church. She became a leader in the middle school youth group. But every time she went home, her parents would say to her, really? You're still doing this? Her brother couldn't believe that she turned down free money to go to college for your faith? Nikki persevered. She graduated from Calvin. And now she's working to pay off her debt because she wants to go to seminary. Suffering for the name of Jesus may look different for those of us who are in the United States, but it still can come with a cost. How many of you would bring tomorrow's coffee break at work to a screeching halt 
if you suddenly began to talk about Jesus? How many of you would have friends who think you're really weird if you say, why don't we all just pray together before lunch? Or what if you had somebody on your travel team that you said, hey, I, I can't make that game Sunday because I go to church. How would that go? Are we willing to be uncomfortable for our faith? You see, Paul was willing to be uncomfortable for his faith. And he was willing to ignore the advice of his friends because he was listening to someone else. Paul was listening to the Holy Spirit. Not that they weren't, but they were just hearing slightly different things. You may remember there's a story in the book of Acts where Paul wants to go to Asia and the Holy Spirit tells him and his friends, no, you're not going to do that. So by this point in his life, Paul knew the difference between when the Holy Spirit was saying no and when the Holy Spirit was saying go. So what his friends heard all of these things as prohibition, don't go to Jerusalem, Paul heard these things as preparation. Get ready. Get ready. In fact, the whole thing that Agabus did with the belt was good intel. This is what's going to happen to you when you go there. Get ready. Get prepared. Because Paul knew the Holy Spirit would only lead him to a place where the Holy Spirit would also go with him. The Holy Spirit was with Paul in a way that allowed him to say to his friends, I understand your pain, I understand your words, and yet, I'm going to do this, even though it costs me, because I'm going to obey the Holy Spirit. How do we do at obeying the Holy Spirit? You know, it's the Holy Spirit is the member of the Trinity that we're like, yeah, there's the Holy Spirit. Yep. But we don't actually realize that the Holy Spirit's communicating with us all the time. If you're a Seinfeld watcher, you may remember that episode where someone was like a low talker and they would talk like this all the time. And you had to lean in to hear them, right? The Holy Spirit's kind of like that all the time. He's always like, hey, why don't you go talk to that person? Hey, why don't you go over there? Hey, that person needs a hug. Why don't you write that person a note? And we're like, what? What? You see, Paul, by this point, by Acts 21, he had cultivated a life where he knew listening to the Holy Spirit leads to better things. It leads to a flourishing life in, in the imitation of Jesus Christ. It may not lead to a great life. It may not lead to a happy life, but it will lead to a life of flourishing the way Jesus wants us to flourish, which is as obedient people. Now, the Holy Spirit may not be saying you need to move to Iran or Eritrea or China, although he may be. But what if we started small? What if we said, all right, Holy Spirit, 
Where do I hide my faith? Where do I pretend I'm not a Christian? And what do I need to do about that? Or, Holy Spirit, who in my life needs to know about Jesus? Just ask the question. Just say, just give me one name of someone for whom I can pray. Let's start there. That sounds, that sounds doable. Let's start with prayer. Give me the name of someone who needs to know Jesus that I can start praying for. And it may surprise you, the name that comes into your mind. It may be your barista. It may be your coach. It may be somebody in your athletic group. But what if you began to pray for this person that the Holy Spirit laid on your heart and you started to shape your life around slowly building more and more of a relationship with that person? And when your palms get sweaty and you get a lump in your throat because you know, oh, now's the time I'm actually supposed to talk about Jesus, you know you're not doing that by yourself. The Holy Spirit is with you in that moment. The Holy Spirit's like, yes, we got this, let's go. This is what Jesus promised back in Luke 12 when he said the Holy Spirit is going to give you the words you need to speak. And the Gospel of John, he says the Holy Spirit is your comforter. That's what we get as followers of Jesus Christ. What our friends in the book of Acts had, we have. Same Holy Spirit. Same power. Same equipping. It's not like Paul was excited to go to Jerusalem, but he knew that was part of his next step of obedience. That's what the Holy Spirit was asking him to do, and he was asking him to do it with him. Whatever the Holy Spirit is inviting you to do, he goes with you in it. This is the gift of the Holy Spirit, that he never leaves us or forsakes us, that he is with us through everything, so in those moments where we're like, I don't know, I don't know what's next, I don't know how to do this, we need to trust that the Holy Spirit, who inspired the words of Scripture, will speak to us and speak through us with what we need to say. The Holy Spirit invites us to listen to him and partner with him in proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that so desperately needs it starting with people you know. Will you pray with me? Our God, we give you praise and thanks for the gift of the Holy Spirit that descended with power from on high and equips the disciples of Jesus Christ all around the world to stand firm in the face of testing and trial. So we pray for our brothers and sisters around the world for whom admitting that they are Christians is a risk to their health and safety, a risk to their jobs. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you animate your church around the world, that you animate Elmhurst Church to be a place where people are drawn because here they are obedient and they partner with the Spirit. Lord, help us to listen and obey to the promptings of the Holy Spirit today. And we pray this through Jesus Christ and all God's people say, Amen.